It's Monday, October 15th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Dr. Rick, our Vice President of Engagement. Dr. Rick will walk us through Acts chapter 1 verses 12 to 26. Welcome back to our Monday Bible study uh, on the Defender podcast. This is Rick Morton. have the privilege of leading this morning as we jump in again to the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 12 and we're going to go through the end of the chapter. So let me read it for us. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120 and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that there that in their own language, uh, the field is called the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place become desolate. Let no one live in it and let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. When they had prayed, then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place of in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So this morning we want to just jump in really quickly to this passage, and and I want to point a few things out. One of the one of the things initially is just in in looking again at Acts chapter one, uh, this kind of this latter half of Acts chapter one. I was I was really reminded of another time in Scripture that kind of felt like an in between time, and that was uh, that was in the book of Joshua, um, and and a very similar circumstance where the people had crossed over um, and and were were on the precipice they crossed over the river they were on the precipice of entering into the promised land and god gave four days for the people to consecrate themselves and for them for them to make themselves ready um before they went in to to occupy the land um and and during this time this was a time where where they they spent um 
you know, again, consecrating themselves, renewing that covenant between them and the Lord, and 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 really focusing on um, being the people of God who were obedient. Um, this was a time in uh, where the the Israelites, um, where the men who were born um, during the wandering in the wilderness, actually were circumcised, and so they they were taking on the physical marking, the physical characteristic of being one who was a part of Israel and being a part of the chosen people. And so they they sort of took care of housekeeping and, and readied themselves for the thing that God was going to do um, for them next. And that's that's really kind of what we see here in, uh, in the latter part of Acts chapter 1, that there's a 10-day period um, in which the, the, the people of God, this 120 people, are readying themselves for what it is um, that, that God is going to do. And so it's, it's sort of a, um, an ending of the, the work of Jesus and, and a time of preparation before the formation of the church. And, and I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that for most of us, um, waiting is an un- uncomfortable place to be. I know a lot of our adoptive families can identify and a lot of our, even our foster families can identify with this idea of waiting um, and the difficulty in it. But um, but, I, but I want us to look today about how the people of God um, took the weight that they were enduring and, and about how um, they were able to profitably work through um, their weight. So, um, what didn't they do? First of all, so if, if we look up in verse four and we see, you know, this idea that, that Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait, um, he, he told them that, um, you know, in the, in the first part of this passage that the Holy spirit is going to come, but you're to wait in Jerusalem until he comes. Well, here's what they didn't do. One, they didn't go home. Um, and that's very different than what we see at the end of the Gospels when, for instance, we see Jesus appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that, that there was a defeated attitude on the part of the disciples at that point because, because they believed that Jesus was dead and they believed that his earthly ministry was over. Um, and they acted differently here because they knew that Jesus was alive. And so when he, when he told them to go and wait, they went and waited because, because they accepted it as authority. Um, the second thing they didn't do is they didn't go back and they didn't go to work. Um, and that's pretty noteworthy because because Jesus didn't tell them how long they were going to have to wait. They didn't know that this was only going to be a 10-day period until he sent the Holy Spirit and until the, the, the earthly ministry of the church um, under the authority and under the power of the Holy Spirit would begin. And and so for, for many of them, um, I'm sure they had questions about how were they going to provide for themselves? What were they going to do? What was the plan? And and they didn't have Jesus with them to, to miraculously miraculously feed them or to or to gather a crowd around and so how were they going to provide but they didn't immediately go back to Jerusalem and go back to work they they entered into obedience and or, or they went in obedience and they they went and they prayed and they studied and they they got ready a, th- a third thing they didn't do is they didn't go evangelize they didn't go tell the story um, and and so the the people waited for the appropriate time and and waited to be obedient. But but to to say that they went and they waited doesn't mean that they were inactive. Um, truly, they were they were extremely active during this this time of preparation. And so, what can we learn about about times when when God is 
putting us in a position to wait about about being prepared um, from the story. Well, we can learn, I think, several things. One um, is th- th- that we can learn that sometimes obedience just means being faithful in the last thing that you were called to do. So it's not about it's not about growing, it's not about stretching, it's not about going, but it's about waiting faithfully and being faithful to those things that you've been called to. Um, I love this quote from James Montgomery Boyce. He says, "The situations in which we learn most about obedience are those in which we cannot see why we are called to do what we are doing. If we can give a reason for what we're doing, then we are not necessarily learning obedience, at least not simple obedience. What we are really doing is trusting our ability to reason things out. We're doing what we are doing because we think it is the best thing to do. There is nothing wrong with thinking things out, of course, but it is quite another thing to learn obedience when the prescribed course does not seem to be the best option. In other words, Boyce is, is, is warning us in our wait not to make our wait a time just where we're calculating our next step. Um, and, and so often that's the thing that, that, we're, that we're drawn to do in waiting. We're, we're drawn to play the chess match out in our mind and to figure out what the next steps need to be when, when God is calling um, us to, to a different kind of waiting and a different kind of obedience. Um, the kind of obedience that God was requiring of, of these disciples is exactly the kind of obedience that many of us have walked through uh, as families who, who are walking through adoption. That that the weight has purpose, and the weight in and of itself is something that's for our good and for God's glory. And so while we don't need to be the men and women who are strategizing about how to get out of the weight, we need to be the people who press into the weight and learn what it is that God has put before us to learn and, and to, to really dive more deeply into a relationship with him. Second thing we see in this passage is that the time of wait was really a time of fellowship. If we look in in verse 14 and in verse 15, it says that all the disciples were together and they were praying and they were studying and they were and they were growing together in unity. Um, And and so. so what we know is that, that that people we need people in order to grow intellectually and spiritually and socially. That that part of the gift that God gives us is the gift of each other, um, and that and that in the wait many times we're we're so focused on getting past the 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 thing that we're that we're waiting on, getting to the next stage of life. And and I have to confess to you that I introspectively I know that that there. There are times when when I have I have so wanted to move on to the next thing um, that I've ultimately forgotten to regard what the Lord is doing through the people around me, forgotten to enjoy them, forgotten to press into relationship, forgotten to to use the time wisely um, to build up those bonds. But these are times when we're in the middle of a wait, when we're in the middle of uncertainty, when we're given the opportunity to to pray and to study and to press in deeply in relationship and for to to not only um grow ourselves but to grow our understanding of the lord through the people that were around having spent a lot of my ministry in college and, and student ministry 
um, it, it's often bothered me about the the students that that I encountered in ministry who walked very faithfully with the Lord through high school only to get to college and to flame out um, and really wondering what like what happens in that moment where they were they not Christ followers well I know many of them were Christ followers because we could see the fruit in their lives and see uh, see the movement of the Lord in their lives in in these earlier years but then when they got off to college they the, the thing that really changed is that they moved outside of the fellowship of the body of Christ and 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 that's a great reminder to us to to remind us how much we need each other to bear one another's burdens to lift one another up and and to to help one another the third thing that the that the the disciples used or used this time of waiting for was they used it as a a time to prepare through prayer um they, it says that they spent intense seasons in prayer. As a matter of fact, we see that that prayer is a constant theme throughout the book of Acts. They they prayed when they were victorious. They prayed when they were challenged. They prayed when they were persecuted. They prayed when they had need. They prayed when they had plenty. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. And and that and that times of waiting present us with the opportunity to spend long, unhindered times in in prayer with the father and so rather than than wasting our time trying to set a a plan or trying to change our tactics in order to make our wait shorter uh, maybe what we need to do is to press into spending more time with the lord another thing they did is that they saw this time of waiting as a time of study we see that Peter referred to the scriptures and referred to the prophecy in the Old Testament about the Messiah and about things that had to come to pass in order um, for the Messiah to come and, and things that they could look upon as signs that, that Jesus really truly was the Messiah. Well, how did they know this? They knew it because they, they took the waiting time in order to look back into the scriptures, into all of the things that were said in the Old Testament about the Messiah and to, to really begin to filter those things out in terms of what they knew uh, and their experience with Jesus. And so they, they began to see the words leap off the page to them um, because they were they were now reading and, and they were now studying with understanding and they were spending time dwelling in the scriptures um, focused on what the scriptures said about the Messiah and about the coming plan for for the redemption of people but 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 understanding it in terms of Jesus who they walked with and and who they know who they know we need to do the same with the scriptures um, the Bible is the objective way that we know God we have to value that objective scripture over the way that we feel, um, over the way that we we reason, and we we can even value it over our experience. And so let us use times of wait and times that are that are in between when we don't know where to go to be times that drive us into the scriptures and drive us to pray. Finally, the, the last thing that we see that they did is that they recognized a need for leadership and they filled filled the vacancy. Why? Because they were they were preparing themselves for what was to come. Um, and so uh, we, we see in this first chapter of Acts that 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 they prayed, that they looked for men 
who had been with them since the beginning and men who reflected the character of Christ. And then they prayed and trusted the Holy Spirit to, to set one of those men apart um, for leadership. Now, if we look at the size of the church at this point with 120 people having 11 leaders that are, that are listed, why, why need a 12th? Well, one was because it was, it was ultimately told to them in the prophecies about Jesus that they were going to need to replace Judas. And so they faithfully did what the word told them to do. But the other thing was, is they were getting ready for a harvest that was yet to come. We know coming in the second chapter of Acts, we read the story of the, of the day of Pentecost. They didn't know that that's when the spirit was going to come. They didn't know that that's what God was going to do. But what they did believe is that, that, that the Lord was going to add to their number and, and that God was going to grow his presence in people, that God sent the Messiah for a reason. And so what they were doing is they were, they were setting up leaders and establishing leaders now for the need that was to come later. Wow, what a, what a great example for us to begin to prepare now um, in the waiting for, for what it is that the Lord is going to bring an increase later. And so we need to be using the days that are ahead of us to prepare um, for what it is that the Lord has called us into. It may be today that you're waiting uh, in the period of waiting for an adoption or waiting for a placement in foster care. It may be that you're waiting on on, on a job or waiting on, on some eventuality in life. You, you may be waiting on something that you believe that the Lord has promised to you and he's given you confidence about, but you can't yet see the end or the fulfillment of that. And I think today what we can say uh, confidently after looking at the, the, the first chapter of Acts is that the Lord desires for us to press into him and to press into to, to preparation to get us ready for what it is that he will unfold, unfold before us in the future. Well, thanks, Dr. Rick. And this week we are praying for the country of Ukraine, a country that is very close to the heart of Dr. Rick and his family as they have brought home three children from Ukraine. And we are praying specifically for a family that's pursuing their third adoption from Ukraine. They're adopting an aging out child who they have hosted in the past. And we just praise the Lord for families who have a heart for older children. We're also praying for a tricky situation with an expat family who's asked, been asked to adopt a little girl from a Ukrainian orphanage. And we're just praying for for the, all the things that have to happen to make that possible. We're praying for families who desire to adopt older children from such a hard place as Ukraine. We can, are continuing to pray for the government of Ukraine and for the unrest in the eastern part of Ukraine. Pray that the areas that have been affected by war will continue to rebuild. We're praying for the ministry in Kiev and the officials to be efficient and timely in approving paperwork. And we're just asking uh, that they will make orphan children a priority. We're praying for our unadopted uh, partnerships in Ukraine and for new possibilities as well and praising the Lord for the work that has been done and the work that is going to be done. We certainly are praying for a future hosting program for Ukraine and that we can collaborate with hosting organizations to bring children into their forever families where they will constantly hear and know the gospel. We're praising the Lord for many children who have come home from Ukraine over the past 16 years into forever families. And we're praising the Lord for a family who just recently brought home a teenager 
major this summer. Uh, they are doing well, and he is thriving in school. We're praying for our team here with Josh and Jaina and Brianna and Toria as they continue to build relationships in Ukraine. And we're praying for Sasha, Natasha, Alex, and Alexandra, who on the ground, they're working for us in Ukraine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to work these last 16 years in the country of Ukraine. Thank you for calling us there and the way that you did. We thank you for the faithfulness of Donna Houston and Jana Lombardo, who were faithful to take this ministry into Ukraine. For the, all the children that have been helped through this program, who found forever families, Lord, children that we have seen uh, walk down a wedding aisle uh, and be married, children that we have seen walk through baptism waters and come to saving faith in Christ, children that are making a difference today uh, because of the gospel impact that's been made in their lives. And Lord, we, we pray for these families that are pursuing uh, other children, uh, for, for those that are pursuing aging out children, or for those who are living in Ukraine that have been asked to adopt. Lord, we just ask that you would go before them in their journey. We thank you for our team, and certainly we pray for Sasha as he works in our Eastern European programs, and, and for Natasha as she specifically works on the ground there in Ukraine. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have uh, brought our team together. And Lord, we pray for the church to be uh, lifted up in Ukraine, that the message of the gospel would go forth in Ukraine. And we pray for the rebuilding in the eastern part of Ukraine, that the areas that were affected by the war would be rebuilt and that the gospel would be planted uh, where it has never been planted before. Lord, we certainly love the country and are thrilled to be able to work in Ukraine. But Lord, we know that you love her more than we ever could. And you, your blood was shed for the country of Ukraine. And so Lord, we pray that people would come to know and come to the saving faith of Christ, that orphans and vulnerable children in Ukraine would come to saving faith in Christ. Lord, we ask these things in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.